service like to start with a true story. At one point in his political career, Julius Caesar thought it was best to leave Rome because he thought that his opinion, people's opinion about him was not good. Feelings against him was running high. And so he left Rome and went to the island of Rhodes, but was attacked by pirates and kidnapped. The pirates demanded 12,000 gold pieces of gold as a ransom. And so while he was waiting for the ransom to be paid, uh, Caesar spent 40 days with the pirates. And sometimes he would jokingly tell them that someday he would capture them all and crucify them, the last man. Eventually, after 40 days, the ransom was paid, 12,000 gold pieces, and Caesar was released. And the very first thing Caesar did was to gather a fleet of ships and pursue the pirates. He eventually overtook them, captured them, and through this word, crucified them to the last man. Such was the Romans' attitude towards crucifixion. They used crucifixion as a means of showing extreme contempt for their hated enemies and for the worst of criminals. Let me ask you, how do you catch people's attention? How do you draw crowds unto yourself? Well, the most common thing to do is you put up a show. You advertise yourself. You play entertaining, inspiring, or moving music. And if you play well, people will gather to hear you. Or you put on a, a concert. Another thing you could do is you display beauty, riches, and marvels of power. And people would be curious to find out what you are showing. A sure way of drawing people is you give them money. And people would flock to you. You give them free gifts and they would run to you. Or you could go through a long process of showing sincerity, affection, and genuine concern. And over time, a number of people will be drawn to you. In our text today, the Lord Jesus makes a shocking statement when he says that he would draw all peoples unto himself through his crucifixion. What? Yeah, that's what he said in our text. He says, he will draw people from all nations, from all generations, from all walks of life, through the ancient means of torture and execution used by the Romans for their hated enemies and for the worst of criminals. He says in our text, And I, when I am lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. And then he says, He said this, to show what kind of death is going to die. What kind of death did Jesus die? Crucifixion. Why? How come? The method of drawing people through this means of ancient torture is unusual. But hey, come to think of it, it worked and it is still working. The Lord Jesus has drawn you and me unto himself and millions of millions of people from the time he was crucified until now, until the last day of this age. In fact, Christianity became known as the faith with a cross. 
the cross of Christ has been the symbol of our faith and devotion to Christ. Now, in the past, the Lord used different methods to draw people. He, he, used, he called people and then promised them wonderful things like what he did to Abram. In Genesis 12, he called Abram to leave his land, to leave his father, his kin, his relative, and go to the land that the Lord will show him. And the Lord promised that he's going to make him into a great nation. He's going to bless Abram. He's going to bless those who would bless Abram and curse those who would curse Abram. And in Abram's seed, all the nations of the world will be blessed. And then in the next book of the Bible, in the book of Exodus, the Lord drew one man through the display of power. How did the Lord catch Moses' attention in the desert? Through a bush that burns, but doesn't get burned out, but is not burned. And I said, chapter 1, the Lord drew people through wisdom and reasoning. He said, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. And then in one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, Isaiah 55, the Lord draws people by promising them blessings upon blessings. He says, come, everyone thirst, come to the waters. He was not no money. Come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. But then we come to our text today where the Lord draws people to unusual and different way. He says, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw peoples to myself. Now, if you just stay in verse 32, if just take 32 as it's by itself, then you might think that the Lord was speaking of some kind of exaltation or some kind of display of power or coronation. We have the idea if the Lord would perform miracles and wonders, people will flock to Him. And many times people do. But in our text, it clearly says that the Lord will draw people to Himself by crucifixion. He says in verse 33, He said this to show what kind of death is going to die. He would draw all people, meaning people from all nations, from all tribes, from all walks of life, unto himself by dying on the cross. Now what's so special about the cross? The theme for our church this 2021 is the cross of Christ, why it makes perfect sense. So many of our messengers and, and, and all of our special events would have as its theme of the cross of Christ, why it makes perfect sense. And I'm not the first one, not the second one, who thought about this theme because Paul says in Galatians 6, verse 14, But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know if it was Paul who started it, but Christians down through the ages boasted not about anything, not about their accomplishments, but in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christians boast in the way their master died by the ancient form of torture and execution used by the Romans for their hated enemies and the worst of criminals. 
Why? I think it's because on the cross of Christ, the, it showed, it made an amazing display of God's humility, of God's love, of God's power, of God's sincerity, riches, and faithfulness. In the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, the justice of God was served and satisfied. In the cross of Jesus Christ, the love of God was supremely manifested in the cross of Jesus Christ, the glory of God was eternally magnified. The cross of Christ makes perfect sense. Of course, you need to know the Lord Jesus. You need to belong to Him for the cross to make perfect sense to you. In fact, if the Lord, if the cross does not make sense to you, you're not saved. Right? Now, I did not say that. Don't get angry at me. The Word of God says in 1 Corinthians 1.18, The Word of the cross is foolishness, is folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. I pray and hope that in our messages about the cross, it would start to make sense. But even if I speak a million times, if you don't surrender your life to Jesus Christ, the cross will not make sense to you. But I pray that one of these days, or even today, you would repent of your sins and start to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, of all the religions and faiths in the world, Christianity has as its symbol an ancient form of Because on the cross, your justice was fully met and served on the cross. Your love was supremely manifested on the cross. You were extremely glorified. And so help us now as we ponder on the cross, realizing that as followers of the person who bare the cross of Calvary, we also have our own crosses that he asked us to carry from time to time. Speak to us, Lord, especially those who feel that the crosses that they are bearing right now are heavy and painful. I pray that you would inspire them, strengthen them, and, and be with them, O Lord God. Because you bear your cross, you will enable them to carry the cross and glorify you and rejoice with you in spite of having a cross. Christ's name we pray. The draw of the cross. That's the title of our message today. And first point of our message is the Lord was exalted in the cross. How? How could a person be glorified by means of an execution? How could Jesus attain greatness by dying a most painful, a most cruel, and perhaps even a most shameful way to die. Remember, crucifixion was used by the Romans for their hated enemies and for the worst of criminals. G.K. Chesterton said, There is no, the cross cannot be defeated because it is defeated. Say that again. The cross of Christ 
cannot be defeated because in it itself, it is the defeat of sin, of the devil, of, the, of death. It is the defeat of pride, of arrogance, of reliance on self. It is the defeat of everything that is against God. If you open your Bibles to chapter 12 where we find our text, just a few verses previous to our text, in verse 28, the Lord Jesus prayed to the Father and said, Father, glorify your name. And the Father immediately responded, the text says that a voice was heard from heaven saying, I have glorified my name and I will glorify it again. How did the Father glorify his name again? By context and by implication through the cross of Jesus Christ. And then a few verses after verse 28, just, just before our text, the Lord Jesus said in verse 31, Now is the judgment of the world. Now will the ruler of the world, Satan, be cast out. How will the judgment of the world come about? How will Satan, the so-called ruler of this world, be cast out? By context and by implication through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. So God was exalted on the cross because God defeated his enemies on the cross. In fact, later on, the Apostle Paul would write in Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, that on the cross, God disarmed the rulers and authorities, meaning the spiritual forces of darkness, the dark evil power. So God disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Christ. So on the cross, God did not only decisively defeated his enemies, but he put them to shame. He embarrassed them. He made a public spectacle of them. In John 16.33, the disciples were, were stressed, they were troubled, they were afraid, they were sad when Jesus told them that he's going to leave them, that he's going away. So he told them in John 16.33, I tell you the truth, in this world you will have tribulations. I won't deny it, I won't hide it from you. In this world you will have problems. But be of good cheer, take heart. For I have overcome the world. How did the Lord overcome the world? By dying on the cross. So the thing or the means by which we defeat our enemies is the thing or the means that we exalt ourselves. Let me give you an example. Especially you are fans of Manny Pacquiao. You remember many years ago, before the fight, Manny's opponent will trust talk him, say demeaning things about him, say cruel things that are not true against him. Manny will just keep silent. How did Manny do the talking? How did he humiliate his opponents? By knocking them out on the ring. That is how God exalted himself 
by defeating them and humiliating them on the cross of Jesus Christ. The Lord was exalted on the cross because it was on the cross that God fairly and decisively defeated his enemies on the cross. Good triumph over evil. You might ask, how did good triumph over evil on the cross when an innocent man was put to death? Good triumph over evil in the sense that good remained good even in the face of overwhelming evil. Remember, Jesus was innocent. He was slapped. He was mocked. He was crucified. Crowns were, crown of thorns were put in his, on his head. And yet he did not retaliate. He did not say a bad word. He did not do. He did not repay evil with evil, but he repaid good. For evil. That's why later Paul would write in Romans, Through the disobedience of one man, many were made sinners, but through the obedience of one man, through the obedience of Christ, many were, were made righteous. That is good, triumphing over evil. So on the cross, good triumph over evil. Good remain good. In the face of overwhelming evil. And sin was punished. And justice was served. But grace and mercy was also shown. How? Because on the cross it was not you or I. Or sinners who was there. It was Jesus Christ who suffered and died on the cross. Showing that God is gracious and merciful. Verse 32 says. And I... Jesus speaking, when I am lifted up from the earth, the phrase lifted immediately refers to his crucifixion. We get that from the next verse, verse 33. However, a secondary implication of being lifted up is exaltation or glorification. To lift someone is to exalt someone. In fact, the prophet Isaiah foretold that in the suffering and death, of God's right servant. And who is God's right servant? The Lord Jesus. So in the suffering and death of Jesus, Jesus shall be lifted high and exalted. Isaiah 52, 13-14. So even hundreds of years before Jesus was born, the prophet foretold that Jesus will be exalted when he was crucified. So we find here the Savior was glorified by being crucified. That's the wonder of the cross. So this tells us and assures us that there is glory in sacrifice. There is greatness in showing humility. There is virtue in suffering for good. One reason why we and billions of people from the time of the crucifixion of Christ up to today, up to the last day of this age, with the reason why we love Jesus, why we revere Him, why we adore Him, why we worship Him, is because He was crucified for us. In heaven, one reason why the creatures in heaven, like the 24 elders and the four living creatures, the reason why they worship Jesus because he was crucified. In fact, in Revelation chapter 5, 7 to 8, it says, The four living creatures and the twenty-four elders 
kneeled down before the Lamb, the Lord Jesus, and they even sang a song to Him. And Revelation 5 gives us the song that this creature sang to Jesus. They said, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. Why? For you were slain, and by your blood, speaking of the crucifixion, you were slain, and by your blood, you ransomed people for God. So we here, we love Jesus, we adore Him, because He was crucified for us in heaven, the four living creatures, the twenty-four elders, worship Jesus because he was crucified. Revelation 5 also tells us that the multitudes of angels, the countless numbers of angels, also worship Jesus because he was crucified. In fact, they also composed a new song to Jesus. The song goes like this. They sang to Jesus, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power, wealth, wisdom, might, honor, glory, and blessing. And the Philippians says that because Jesus humbled himself even to the point of death, even death on the cross, every knee will bow one day and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, not to the dismay of the Father, but to the glory of the Father. And guess what? One day, even creatures who have no tongue and who have no knees one day they will bow down and confess His name. Every creature in heaven, every creature on earth, every creature under the earth, every creature in the sea, one day will sing a song found in Revelation 5, saying, To Him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb, to Jesus, be blessing, honor, glory, might, forever. On the cross of Christ, God has shown us both righteous and gracious. He was shown us both holy, someone who hates sin, but loving, someone who loves sinner. He's both shown us consuming, or I would even dare say demanding. God is demanding. He demands us to be perfect. And yet at the same time, self-giving, self-sacrificing. On the cross, God has shown us both great and humble. On the cross, the Lord Jesus showed that He is the good shepherd who cares for His sheep, and at the same time, the sacrificial Lamb of God. He shows on the cross that He is the just and the justifier of those who trust in Him. Perhaps this is the reason why the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 12 that Jesus endured the cross for the joy that is set before him. Through the cross, the Lord was, is, and forever will be exalted. Second, the Lord used the cross to draw people to himself. I read a story about Cyrus, the founder of the once mighty Persian Empire. He captured one time a prince of a nation and his family. And so this prince and his family were brought before Cyrus. And the emperor asked the prince, What will you give me if I release you? And the prince said, Majesty, I'll give you half of everything that I own. 
what will you give me if I release your children? And the prince said, I will give you everything that I own. What will you give me if I release your wife? And the princess, for my wife, your majesty, I give you myself. Cyrus was normally cruel or violent, so moved by the prince's devotion to his family that he decided to release them. As the prince and his family were traveling back to their country, he asked his wife, Don't you find Cyrus handsome? With a deep look of love for her husband, the wife said, I did not notice him because my eyes are only on you, the one who was willing to give himself up. Whenever I watch the movie The Passion of the Christ, I'm always moved with this. I, I, I don't watch it often. Maybe I just watch two or three times because it's so graphic. It's so brutal. It, it gets to your face, you know. And whenever I, I see images in the movie of Jesus hanging on the cross with his, with his, with his face, you know, mashed up, you know, his eyes almost closed and then thorns on his head and his face covered with blood and then his body ripped and torn into pieces. Sometimes I, 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 I could hear my, my heart beating and my blood pressure rising up. It's too much for me. But I am deeply moved and filled with gratitude and appreciation for this person who allowed himself to be crucified. The cross was God's plan to draw people to himself. When Jesus said, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself, to me, he was saying, I'm going to draw you, not by a display of my power, though I have limitless power. I'm not going to draw you by, by an awesome display of my glory. The universe is filled with glory. Saying, I'm going to draw you by showing how much I love you by dying on the cross. Verse 33. He said this to show what kind of death he was going to die. Conquerors like Alexander the Great, Genghis Khan, Julius Caesar, Napoleon Bonaparte, they conquered many nations by the sword. Jesus conquered our hearts by the cross. And the irony is, Napoleon Bonaparte, Julius Caesar, uh, Genghis Khan, Alexander the Great, their conquest stopped decades or centuries ago. They're no longer conquering. But Jesus, he is still winning hearts up to now and until the end of this age. Now tell me, which is more effective, the sword or the cross? The cross of Christ exalts not only a universal but an eternal attraction. But just to be clear, when Jesus said, I will draw all people it doesn't mean universal salvation. It doesn't mean that everyone would get saved. 
It doesn't mean that all members of the human race without exception will be drawn to Jesus Christ because we know there are people who do not like Jesus Christ. It means all people from all nations, from all culture, from all walks of life, from all age, from all generations will be drawn to Him. The Lord does not force people. In fact, our text says He will draw. That I will draw I will invite, I will allure, I will, I will woo, I will court people to come to me. We know that God is holy and He hates sin. We also know that we are sinners, habitual, persistent sinners. And our sins separate us from God. We cannot approach God and be near Him because of our sins. How did God solve our problem? By sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. He became the Lamb of God who took all the sins of the world and then God punished all the sins of the world in the body of Jesus Christ as He hanged on the cross. So having suffered and, and paid for the punishment for our sins, Jesus now reconciles those who come to Him and brings them near to God. Paul writes in Ephesians 1, 13-16, But now, in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace was broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. So there's a wall of hostility between us and God and between us and each other but he broke it down that we might, he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross. Through the cross Jesus became our bridge to God. We can cross that bridge. It is an amazing bridge. It is an attractive bridge. It is a, a promising bridge. And the bridge is real. It's there. And it cannot be destroyed because no one and nothing can destroy Jesus. No one and nothing can nullify or negate what Jesus did on the cross. That is why he can say confidently, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Now, in almost every statement, there is a negative side and a positive side. Negative side in that statement is that there is only one way. There are no other ways. There are no other options. There are no other choices. It's either Jesus or nothing. There is no other way. That's the negative side. The positive side is, there is a way. We can be near God. We can approach the Father. Jesus made the way. And the way is real. And it is there. So, let's try to summarize what Jesus did on the cross to draw us near to Himself and to God. So, to draw us near to God, Jesus defeated God defeated in Jesus in, in hanging on the cross. He defeated the enemies of God who wants us away from God. 
Satan wants us away from God. So Jesus defeated Satan and all the demons and the enemies of God. Second, Jesus dealt with our sins that separate us from God. That's the dividing wall of hostility. He removed that. He destroyed that on the cross. And then on the cross, Jesus demonstrated God's pure and never-ending love. Steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. He showed it on the cross. Listen to what Paul says in Colossians chapter 2, 13 to 14. And you, yes, you, including me, but you, all of us, you, who were dead in your trespasses. We were dead in sins. God made us alive together with Jesus. Having forgiven all our trespasses, all our sins, by canceling the record of death that stood against us with all its legal demands. So, all the sins that you have done, it's recorded. And the verses, the Lord canceled that record of death, the record of sins, by what Jesus did. He set them aside. He nailed it to the cross. And there's more. Paul says in the same book, in the same epistle, Colossians 1, 19-22, For in Him, in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. So because of the cross, you and I have peace with God. You and I enjoy and experience the peace of God. And then Paul says, And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. In order, listen to this, in order to present you holy, blameless, and above reproach before him. Paul is saying, through the cross of Christ, God made you and me who belong to Jesus blameless, above reproach, and holy. No wonder. The wonder of the cross of Christ. Wow. Amazing. But here's the thing. Now you know those things. Here is what we need now to apply in our lives. So God reveals us this wonderful truth. How should it affect our lives? Number three. We come to Jesus through His cross. The Christian life is described or characterized by many paradoxes. Do you know what a paradox is? A paradox is seemingly two opposing ideas, but when joined together, it makes sense. It becomes a statement of truth. Here are a number of paradoxes about the Christian life. The Bible tells us that we get exalted by humbling ourselves. Didn't Jesus say, He who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. So we go up, not by going up, but by going down. Under the paradox, in the Christian life, we gain by giving. We gain not by keeping, we gain by giving. Didn't Jesus say, it is more blessed to give than to receive. 
And then in Luke, the Lord says, Give, it shall be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall be poured into your life. Third example of a paradox about the Christian life is we live by dying. Jesus spoke about seed, kernel, which will remain a seed. But if it dies, if it's planted, it grows to a plant and then bursts fruit. So the cross is also another paradox about the Christian life. The cross is a paradox in the sense that by itself, it's a means of torture and execution. It's a means of death. And yet, it leads us to life, joy, so the cross symbolizes suffering and death. And because the symbol of Christianity is the cross, all Christians carry a cross. Because our master carried a cross, we too carry our own crosses. Jesus said, no servant is greater than his master. No student is greater than his teacher. No messenger is greater than the one who sent him. So, if our Master and Lord carry the cross, we, his servant, will also carry the cross. Now, of course, the cross that Jesus bare to Calvary was infinitely much heavier, more painful, uh, uh, more more, 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 more difficult, but still, we all carry a cross if we belong to Jesus. Now, a cross is something that give, makes you struggle in life, something that gives you pain, something that gives you inconvenience, something that, that, that gives you discomfort, something that gives you suffering, not because you have done something wrong, but because you follow Christ. So if you're following Christ, and in following cross, you experience pain or discomfort or grief, then that is your cross. Your cross might be different from mine in size, form, or shape. Still, we have a cross to carry in life. The Lord says in our text, And I, when I am lifted from the earth, I will draw all peoples to myself. And he said this to show what kind of death is going to die. So Jesus is saying, the Lord draws us or drew us to the cross. Because the Lord draws us near to his cross, we can only get near to Jesus through the cross. That's what Jesus says. I will draw people to myself through the cross, so we could only go near to Jesus through the cross. And here's what I'm saying. We cannot go near to God without the Lord Jesus. We cannot go near to Jesus without His cross. The cross is part and parcel of the life of a Christian. That is why the Christian life is difficult. That is why there are struggles and pain in the Christian life. Because the Christian life has a cross to bear. C.H. Spurgeon said, 
there are no crown wearers in heaven who are not first cross bearers here below. Get that? There are no crown wearers in heaven who were not cross bearers here below. So that, that is true. Before we wear our crowns in heaven, praise God. The New Testament said a number of times that we will have crowns in heaven. Crowns of joy, crowns of glory, crowns of salvation. I don't know if it's figurative or literal, but they're having crowns. But before you wear a crown in heaven later, Carrying a cross, bearing a cross, is inescapable to the Christian. Now don't get angry at me. It's Jesus who said that. In Matthew 10.38, the Lord Jesus says, Whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. That's what he said. You can check your Bibles. We cannot avoid the cross. To be a Christian is to have a cross in life to carry. And Jesus was not satisfied in saying it once. Just a few chapters later, in the very same gospel, according to Matthew, Matthew 16, 24, the Lord Jesus says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross, and then follow me. Jesus says, we cannot use our crosses as not to follow Jesus. So if you say, Lord, I cannot follow you now. I have a cross. He says, no, I'm not accepting that excuse. He says, carry it as you follow me. So we cannot use our cross as an excuse not to follow Jesus. You might be experiencing pain or discomfort. The Lord will allow you to, to cry to him, you know. He will give you strength. But he will not allow you to use that as an excuse not to follow him. But at the same time, on the other hand, we cannot follow Jesus if we do not take up the cross he asks us to carry. We cannot be a disciple of Christ without a cross in life. And again, a cross is anything that makes you struggle in life, that gives you pain, discomfort, suffering, inconvenience, because you follow Jesus, because you, you obey him, because you believe in him. We might have different crosses in different parts of our life, but we will always have crosses to bear. Your cross might be different from my cross right now in size, shape, or form, but we all have a cross to carry in life. We come to Jesus for His cross. For on the cross, the justice of God was fully served and satisfied. The love of God was supremely manifested and the glory of God was eternally magnified. Now hear me. If you are following Christ without a cross, most possibly you're not following Christ. Because to follow Christ is to carry a cross. Every Christian has a cross because Christ had one. If you're following Jesus just because of the good things he gives you, or the good things He promises, then you're not following Him at all. But if you follow Him, even after acknowledging His cross, and accepting that you also have to carry your own cross, then you are following Him. 
I didn't say that. The Lord said it. Whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and then follow me. Oswald Chambers said, All heaven is interested in the cross of Christ. All hell is terribly afraid of it while men are the only beings who more or less ignore its meaning. Let me say that again. And, and it's true. All heaven is amazed. You, you heard it in Revelation. All heaven is amazed, interested in the cross of Christ. All hell is afraid of it. But here on earth, there are many men who more or less ignore its meaning. The Apostle Paul put it in words. He said in 1 Corinthians 1, Jews demand a sign, and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ, and Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews, and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those who are called by God, power, and wisdom of God. Many of the messages we will have this year will have the cross as its theme, and all of our special events would speak about the cross of Christ, why it makes perfect sense. Hopefully and prayerfully, we will all come to understand more and appreciate what Christ did for us and for the glory of God on the cross. Of course, you have to belong to Jesus. You have to know Him. You need to have a relationship, a real and growing relationship with Him to understand the cross, for the cross to make perfect sense to you. In fact, if the cross of Christ does not make sense to you, you're not yet a Christian. You're not yet saved. 1 Corinthians 1.18 the word of God says, the word of the cross is foolishness, is folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. Is the cross of Christ foolishness to you right now? Well, I appeal to you. I, I ask you, why don't you surrender your life to Jesus Christ and ask Him by His Spirit to make the cross sense or wisdom or power of God to you. You know, the cross is defeat. It's the defeat of pride, arrogance, of reliance, of everything that is against God. So why don't you come to the cross of Christ and surrender your life and receive Him as Lord and Savior. If you have not done that, here is a simple prayer. I ask you to follow with all sincerity. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming to the earth and then later die on the cross. Glorify God and to save me and give me eternal life. I'm a sinner and I cannot approach God. I cannot be near God. But thank you. 
died on the cross. And by dying on the cross, you can reconcile us and bring us near to God. I offer my life to you. I surrender my life to you. Be my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And help me now, from now on, make sense of the cross. For it's a wonderful thing. It's a paradox. It's an ancient means of execution and torture, and yet it brought us down. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your grace. Lord, I also pray for those of us who somehow now have a good grasp or understanding of your cross. May we continue to boast in nothing except in your cross. Help us to remember that in your cross, the justice of God was fully satisfied. The love of God was supremely manifested. And the glory of God was eternally manifested. We are also told by your word that if we follow Jesus, we will also have a cross to bear in life. And it scares us, but we may not know it, but it is true. So we ask you, Lord Jesus, help us carry our cross and follow you until the end. We will perhaps exchange our crosses with crowns one day, I don't know. But thank you. Paul said that we are called not only to believe in you, but even to suffer for your sake. Cross. It's inescapable to all of us. Call upon worship you, we praise you, Lord Jesus, for drawing us near to you, to that cross.